0: not only as individuals, but also as a collective. So this book expands the conversation around loss beyond just breakups and bereavement, although we definitely cover those two, in order to include falls from grace of all kinds, personal, professional, and collective. So whether you're experiencing hardship now or know you have past hurts that are holding you back in certain ways and still need healing, this book is here to support you. It's also a great book to gift to clients, family members, friends, just other women in your world who are going through a challenging time. It will show you that it's only through fully turning toward your heartbreak with support, courage, and compassion that you can heal. So within the loving pages of this book, you will have full permission to fall apart and slowly organically find your way back to greater wholeness. I'm truly excited to share this with you. It was not a joy to live this journey, but it really was a joy to write it. And you can find it, again, wherever books are sold, and the audio version of the book is available as well. If you would like some gifts to accompany you on your heartbreak journey, you can get those at handbookfortheheartbroken.com. Those are free. Whenever you order books, you can just send in your invoice or your receipt, and we'll send you those accompanying gifts. Enjoy. Hello sisters. Welcome to She Talks. I'm Sarah Von Stover, a yoga and meditation teacher, best-selling author, and founder of The Way of the Happy Woman. I'm really happy to share that throughout the months of December and January, I'm offering a special series called Bubble Bath Wisdom. Why Bubble Bath Wisdom? Well, bubble baths are my favorite way to unwind on winter evenings. And amidst the craziness of the holiday season, these talks offer the refreshing feminine wisdom you need to step away, turn in, and come home to yourself. So for 15 to 20 minutes, or the length of one delicious bubble bath, I'll share a clip of a talk I gave at one of my recent silent she retreats. Each of these talks highlights a different stage of our heroine's journey. And I offer it in celebration of the opening of my online immersion, The She School, a nine-month journey to soulful, sovereign womanhood. Now, I only open registration once a year in December and January, and this is the most in-depth and inspired program I need. You can learn more at thesheschool.com. Now, draw yourself a bath or shift into your favorite self-care mode. Settle in Light a candle, and exhale, welcome home. Moving forward with our heroine's journey. Today we're investigating ending the war within. and we're all grown women. We know that we can travel to the other side of the world. We can go to this remote place with no cars or roads and here we bring all of our stuff with us. The same things that we had at home that we were excited to leave behind. They're they're here, they made their way into our suitcases. We couldn't bring our pets and our beloveds and our children, but we brought this inner family with us. So part of sanity, part of self-care, part of mature womanhood is learning how to be a good parent system to this inner family, to be a good mother and a good father in a way that most of us probably didn't have. So when we grow up in environments that don't have a lot of empathy and curiosity, to say, hey honey, what are you feeling right now? What's going on? That must be really hard. Tell me about that. Then, We start to develop an inner attitude of cynicism that we carry with us through our lives, that the world isn't on our side, things are never going to go the way that we want, et cetera, et cetera. We all have our own different internal tape about that. That is true for really 80% of the world population that grows up in an environment that does not host a lot of empathy because the caregivers don't even know how to have empathy for themselves. And this is a wound that we pass on from generation to generation until we come to do this kind of work or similar work where we learn to cultivate those qualities that were never mirrored to us. So this this space, this holding environment where one can be oneself and accepted for being oneself from the time of birth all the way into mature adulthood is very rare. And I'm grateful to live in a place like Boulder and it's called the Boulder Bubble for a reason. It's, it's not really the real world in a lot of ways. There's, there's a tremendous amount of consciousness there and my friends who do have children, it's amazing to see these children, how safe they feel to express themselves, to share themselves with their parents. Just this, this friendship that is developed just right from the start. That is called secure attachment. That is when we have a strong anchor in the world, and so then we feel safe to go out and take risks and do what we want to do because we know that we're supported. We know that we're tethered. My fiance, Keith, was he and I were having a conversation about this secure attachment that we see so much in Boulder, and he was explaining how once when he was at a party before we met, he was in the, the kitchen and there was a three-year-old child who he had never met and just came up to him and tugged his shirt and pointed to the refrigerator, pulled him over to the refrigerator, had Keith open it. His bottle was in the refrigerator and give him his bottle. And then he ran off to find his parents. And we were both remarking how we would have, as children, we would have never had the courage to do that. There was just this sense of shyness of that it's not it's not safe you know what if this person isn't nice and I asked them to get me my bottle but here was a child who just felt safe going up to a stranger at three years old and getting its needs met. So the other 80% of the population is insecurely attached where at especially before the age of eight when our brains are like soft wax they take everything in as human beings it takes even into our 20s for our brains to fully develop we're very different from other mammals and so we're very impressionable and so if there were times when we were young and our needs weren't met or we weren't fully seen that gets imprinted into our nervous system and becomes the norm for which we expect life to treat us. And there are three forms of insecure attachment. There's insecure avoidance, which is just kind of running away from life, running away from commitments. There's insecure anxiety, which often includes a lot of fear of abandonment which we can feel even if someone doesn't return an email or a text message. I find that I'm very sensitive if someone doesn't return an email or a text message. Like, how could you not return an email or a text message? There's a sensitivity to that. And then there's insecure pathology, which is is really a time when someone would be hospitalized or institutionalized. So most of us are walking around with some degree of this type of wounding, and we experience that wounding most strongly through the inner critic, especially as women. This is one of the biggest issues that we face on our path. So, the inner critic, we have space and time here to get to know it and get to know that the inner critic is not who we are. When I was writing this new book, The Book of She, particularly this past January and February, when I basically had to rewrite the entire thing in about six weeks. My inner critic, sitting down, there's no way you're going to be able to do this. This is crazy. This is the worst idea ever. You're never going to finish it in time. And I had to sit with, is this, who is this? Talking. Is this my wise woman? Is this my she telling me that... This isn't a good idea. Or is this my inner critic? Knowing that we're up against growing in a big way and feeling afraid and wanting to hold me back and protect me. So through investigation, you know, I kept showing up every day, completing The chapters that I needed to write on that day, and just hearing incessantly this, this inner critic. This sucks. It's stupid. You have nothing good to say. Why even bother? Everyone else has already taught this stuff. You can't say it better than anyone else. Doesn't matter. And needing to have this warrior part of me show up even though this voice was getting stronger and stronger as the deadline was coming nearer and nearer. And luckily I was writing about all this stuff. So I had the teachings fresh in the front of my awareness and I was writing the teachings every day so I could be aware of what was happening so this inner critic, when it develops before the age of eight, before the age of seven or eight, it takes on the messages from our environments because we're like sponges. Like I said, we're like hot wax. Everything is impressionable. So we take on the message from our parents, our caretakers, our teachers, our siblings, our churches, or religious institutions, and the world at large. And then what happens is that this critic kind of splits and one part of it gets old before it's time, grows up too quickly. And another part of it stays very young and immature. And so when we come to this path later on and we realize we start to understand and learn about the inner critic. Then our path is to kind of bring together these, these imbalanced entities. The part that it grew up too quickly, took on too much responsibility too early, got too serious, stopped playing, stopped joking around, stopped taking risks too early, and. part of ourselves that is still very young, very scared, and find a way to start to bring them together to a harmonious relationship. So the first thing with the inner critic is just to recognize when it's active and to know it can be, it's like a chameleon. Maybe you've seen some of the little lizards around here. They, just, they, they seem to just blend into the environment. So if you're having some sort of inner struggle that is either arising here or you brought here with you, most likely your inner critic has its pause in it. Anytime there's some sort of inner stress... Anytime there's an inner attitude of anything other than calm, it means that one of our inner voices is active and is trying to get our attention. Like that young child tugging at Keith's shirt saying, hey, hey, I need you to get my bottle. So rather than ignoring the child, rather than yelling at the child, rather than denying the child's needs and saying, it's not time to eat. We're going to go to the refrigerator, get the bottle, give it to the kid. We're going to do that for ourselves and say, what is happening here now? What is here now? What is obstructing calm presence? And turning our attention to that. Loving, attentive parent. Turning our attention to that with curiosity and with empathy. Curiosity, empathy. Asking those questions. What do you need? What's the matter? What can I do to support you? And taking in what you hear, I hear you. I feel your pain. I feel your struggle. You're not alone. and being the responsible parent. I am in charge, I will take care of you. Here is the plan. Whether it's like I shared yesterday with my worry, whether it's to say, sweetie, I'm here, I hear you're worried, we're gonna write this down, and we're gonna make a meeting for when we leave this retreat to really map this out. so it could be a date in future time it could be something that can just be met in the moment just with an acknowledgement so while we are not having conversations with one another these are t- these are conversations that we'll need to have many times a day especially in a setting like this with ourselves because all of these inner voices are going to get louder now that there's more space for them so in this way we are we are a community within our within our bodies we are a family within our bodies and throughout our lives we'll continue to meet new family members Like at that retreat, I met Worry. I had never met Worry before. She's the cutest little thing. I had thought it was just this beast in my mind of Worry. But it was this little girl who just didn't have much resources to be creative about how to solve a problem. And all she could do was just ruminate about it. So no matter how familiar we are with the inner critic or how much work we've done with the inner critic, there's always more facets that show itself to us. And there are always sneaky ways that it just slithers into to your experience. this talk inspired you, I'd be so grateful if you would review this podcast on iTunes to help other women find it in the future. And if you're curious about how to live these teachings in your daily life, come on over and explore the she school at the We're in session starting February 1st. Thank you so much for joining me. And until next time, I'm sending you my heartfelt support.